0: Today is the second Sunday in our sermon series where we are looking at Knox's mission statement, as Allie told us. That mission statement is inviting thoughtful seekers to intergenerational community and discipleship in the world. Inviting thoughtful seekers to intergenerational community and discipleship in the world. Last week, Pastor Matt walked us through the first word of our mission statement, Talking about what it means for us as a community to be inviting, to reach out to our neighbors and those in our community outside of our doors. This morning, we're going to take a look at that second word, thoughtful. But using the word thoughtful in our mission statement can be a little bit problematic. After all, Christians have not always been regarded as thoughtful or intellectual. In fact, sometimes we might not even be sure if we really are thoughtful or intellectual for our faith. Donald Donald Miller talks about his feelings similar to this in his book, Blue Like Jazz. He says, The goofy thing about Christian faith is that you believe it and don't believe it at the same time. It isn't unlike having an imaginary friend. I believe in Jesus. I believe he is the Son of God. But every time I sit down to explain this to somebody, I feel like a palm reader. Like somebody who works at a circus, or a kid who is always making things up. Or somebody at a Star Trek convention who hasn't figured out the show isn't real. Many of us have had a moment, or many moments, like this in our faith journey. When someone asks us about our faith and we think, how do I say this without them thinking I'm crazy? it can feel like we're trying to explain the tooth fairy or Santa Claus with only reason. This is not a modern problem. Throughout history, faith and reason have often been viewed as at odds with one another. The Enlightenment period of the 18th century, otherwise known as the Age of Reason, raised all kinds of problems for the church. The church was once seen as the only source of truth, but the Enlightenment heralded in a new era of reason, that put into question the church as the source of truth. The church was dethroned. Reason was crowned the new authority. But the perceived clash between reason and faith goes back further than the Enlightenment. In today's passage, we read about Paul's ministry in Athens. In Paul's lifetime, Athens was home of the most prominent university in the Greek world and was regarded to be the center of philosophy. After all, Athens was once home to great philosophers like Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, just to name a few. Up to this point, the gospel was being spread to the rich and to the poor, to Jew and Gentile, to slave and free, male and female. And now Paul was bringing the gospel to this sophisticated university town. Would the gospel stand up against the intellectual elite? Well, they mocked him. They scoffed at him. What does this babbler want to say? The Greek word translated as babbler is spermologos, which can be translated as seed picker. The image we get here is of a bird fluttering around in a marketplace, picking up seeds here and there. They saw Paul as one who was picking up scraps of philosophies and then just trying to use them to impress people, but wasn't really saying anything at all. In the minds of these philosophers, Paul didn't belong on the intellectual playing field. In a seemingly sarcastic fashion, they brought Paul to the Council of Areopagus, and they asked him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? Sounds rather strange to us. So we would like to know what it means. Paul accepted their challenge, sarcastic or not. Paul appealed to reason by even then quoting their philosophies. He saw value in their reasoning and in their intellect. Because after all, our faith is not a fairy tale. Our faith involves intellectual curiosity. And this is something, honestly, I think we do really well at Knox and is why we have included it in our mission statement. As a Presbyterian church, we come from the reformed tradition that places a strong emphasis on education. We don't want people just to simply read Scripture and experience it. We want them to engage intellectual curiosity about how we read Scripture. We want to be thoughtful in how we both read and how we embody Scripture. The Reformed tradition emphasizes the vibrant life of the mind, where both faith and reason can coexist. We are committed as a community to being thoughtful in our faith and in our spiritual development. I had a beautiful example of this earlier this week when I was meeting with several adults from our community to talk about our middle school and high school curriculum. We came together to try to work out how do we provide spiritual education for our students that is concerned with their psychological development. An education that helps them to know the core tenets of their faith while also learning how to have an acceptance and a tolerance for other forms of worship. Another great example is the STEAM grant that Knox received a few years ago through which our church was able to creatively engage in conversations with emerging adults around science and theology. Some of you may have even attended the hike of a worship service that we did last year. Or I think, too, of our Advent devotional that we just read over the Advent season. We don't just ask our resident theologians to contribute. We ask kids, youth, adults, People contribute artwork, poetry, and prose. This is truly a body of many parts, and we bring those together in thoughtfulness. And our church often takes pride in the fact that there are a number of renowned theologians and a plethora of congregants with PhDs and master's degrees. And while that is cool, undoubtedly, that is not what makes our church thoughtful. Thoughtfulness is not dependent on your level of education, or your mastery of theology. What makes Knox a community of thoughtful seekers is our willingness and our commitment to engage in conversation, to support and to challenge one another as we grow in faith together. It is in our commitment to seeing the world through another's eyes and in constantly pursuing a deeper understanding of Scripture. And while we acknowledge that we are already thoughtful seekers, our mission statement does not just identify who we are, it identifies our goals for who we want to become. It reminds me of the vows my husband and I made three years ago. When Ryan and I were planning our wedding, we were thinking about what we wanted to say in our vows. What did we want to commit to? Although there was a lot that we definitely didn't know about marriage, we knew one thing, The person we were marrying on December 20th, 2015 was not going to be the same person in 10 years, in 20 years, in 30 years, 40 years, and beyond. We were making a commitment based on what we knew and on what we did not yet know. And so, as we gave our vows, we said these words, I promise to love you for who you are and for who you were yet to become. I promise to love you for who you are and for who you are yet to become. We were agreeing to love each other for who we already were in that moment. But we were also accepting the challenge to love each other for who we were going to become. When we talk about our mission statement, we are talking about our vows as a community. Similar to the vows that Ryan and I had made in marriage, our mission statement is an identification of who we are. We are thoughtful seekers. But it's also a challenge to become a more faithful version of that. And because it is not just an identification of who we are, we don't get to think that our work is done. We have made it this far. Good job. We do well at talking with each other about theology, about scripture and education. But if all we do is talk, and wax philosophical, then we are not doing anything. We fall short of our calling. While the reformed tradition can be commended on its pursuit of thoughtfulness and education and faith, the reformed tradition you may have heard is often criticized for being the frozen chosen. Because we are so committed to our calling and understand that God is calling us, sometimes it can lead us to be frozen. And not going out. We can become so focused on the talking about scripture and theology that we don't act upon it. And this was the criticism that Luke made of the Athenians in Acts, saying, Now all the Athenians and the foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. The image we get is that the Athenians rarely actually did anything they discussed. They just enjoy tossing around new ideas. If we stop at ideas and education, then we are just philosophers of Christ. For we know from the book of James that faith without deeds is dead. The difference between a philosopher of Christ and a disciple of Christ is thoughtful action. During my time at Fuller Theological Seminary, this was a particular problem for me. I'd spent so much time studying and reading the Word of God, honestly, it became a bit of a textbook. It was hard to remember that this book was the living Word of God. And it was a part of my work in striving to get A's that I was so focused on reading it for that purpose instead of reading it in a way that it changed my life. Henry Nouwen writes of the same frustration that we can often face in academia. After decades spent teaching at Yale and Harvard, in psychology and theology, Nouwen found himself losing his spirituality. In an extreme move, he left academia and moved to the L'Arche community in France, a community that welcomes people with disabilities. And then he later accepted a position as the pastor of the large community of Daybreak in Richmond Hill, Canada. And it was there that Nowen believed he had found deep spiritual fulfillment. From these experiences, Henry Nowen warns of the potential problems with academia in his book Reaching Out. He says, we all want to be educated so that we can be in control of the situation and make things work according to our own need. But here's the key point. But education to ministry is an education not to master God, but to be mastered by God. Though Nowin was talking specifically about education in seminaries, his words ring true for us as well. We must be careful in our thoughtfulness not to master God, but to be mastered by God. Paul similarly challenged the Athenians. He commended them for how religious they were. They had groped for truth in making an altar to an unknown God, but they had fallen short. For this God was, in fact, knowable. This unknown God, Paul tells the Athenians, is the God who made the world and everything in it. It is the God who made himself known in Jesus Christ. Paul appeals to their intellect and their philosophies. They were right to say, in him we live and move and have our being. And for we too are his offspring. But it is not enough for them to talk about truth or to erect an altar to an unknown God. God would no longer overlook their human ignorance. Now that the unknown God has been made known to them in verse 30, God commanded all people everywhere to repent. Now that they know the truth, God commanded them to act. It is not enough for them to know the truth. They have to live differently. Paul's indictment of them is that they knew the truth and they could no longer claim ignorance. They could no longer continue to worship the unknown God. They cannot just talk anymore. And yet, some scoffed. Some passed it off as foolish philosophy. Others said, we will hear you again about this. I.e., sounds like a good philosophy. Let's talk about it more. But, as theologian William Willimon points out, Jesus did not come bringing an interesting philosophy about life. He came calling people to a new way of living and dying. And so, some of them did join him and became believers. The news did not just change their mind, it changed the way they lived. This past Monday, we celebrated the life and legacy of Martin Luther King Jr., one of the key figures in the civil rights movement. And I saw so many quotes all over social media that had come from MLK. And one of them really stuck out to me. In which he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. I don't think Martin Luther King was talking about, we just need to talk about equality more. That's our problem. We know pretty well as a society, that's where we fall in short. We've done a pretty good job about talking about equality. In all spheres, we've done a pretty terrible job about acting upon it. We cannot just talk about it. We can't just talk about our constitution. We can't just talk about our values and our theology. We have to act upon it because we know that truth. We've been taught it since we were kids that actions speak louder than words. our thoughtfulness has to lead to action. In our commitment to thoughtfulness, it is tempting to spend our time talking about scripture, theology, and doctrine. That's good. Those are great conversations to have. But we're no longer permitted to stay there. Our God has made himself known to us. We have been commissioned as God's disciples In the great commission of Matthew 28, Jesus called called us as his disciples saying, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. We come to worship here at Knox each week to hear and be reminded of the good news, but we don't stay here. At some point, we have to turn off the lights and close the doors. At some point, you have to go home and go back to your lives. So we are called to thoughtful action. Each Sunday, we are sent out from service to go and make disciples of all nations. We are sent out as thoughtful seekers of the lost. We are and strive to be thoughtful in mind and in deed. Friends, we cannot claim ignorance any longer. We know God. We are thoughtful about God and about our faith. But the question is, will you allow that thoughtfulness to change the way you live? Please pray with me. Father, we thank you that you have brought us the good news. That we no longer have to erect altars to unknown gods, but that you have made yourself known to us in Jesus Christ. You have called us and claimed us as your own. But you do not just call us towards you, but you call us to be sent out, to be your disciples, and to go and make disciples of all nations. God, would you forgive us for the ways that we have been still. For the ways that we have stayed where it is comfortable. And that we have not gone out to our neighbor. God, would you give us the strength and the courage to be your disciples. To not just be thoughtful, but to be thoughtful in action. We pray all these things in your mighty name. Amen.